0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to This Guy's Legit. I'm Rachel Dorsey, and I'm really pumped you're here. You may have heard by now that I will be releasing another session of my Get It Goal Setting Workshop in the next few months. If you haven't heard about it yet, I really recommend that you check it out on the Workshops tab on my website, ThisGuy'sLegit.com. You can read all about it, um, and you can, and if you're interested you can sign up for my early updates list. And that will give you first access when the workshop opens officially. I really believe that you cannot achieve anything unless you know what you want. In this workshop, we get extremely clear on what you want in all areas of your life. We look at relationships. We look at health. We look at your finances. We look at your career growth. We look at every facet of who and how we are so that we can achieve the life that we love and grow together. Again, if you have questions, you can shoot me a message, you can DM me, you can email me at rachel at com. I really want you to invest in yourself. And if you're ready, I'm here to help. Without further ado, on to the episode.
1: To be brutally honest, therapeutic yoga sounds like... Um, kind of want want like, come in with your crutches and your casts and let's make you move a little bit. And um, I obviously don't think that, and that is an extremely narrow view of this kind of yoga. We do so much judging the book by the cover, right? When you just see that without a proper description on a studio's website, it probably doesn't draw people in.
0: Jill Lindsay is a therapeutic yoga instructor and anatomy teacher. You can find her online at TherapeuticYogiJill. She started her career as a high school biology teacher, and after battling cancer, she turned to yoga as a source for healing and recovery. She is trained in therapeutic yoga and teaches classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and anatomy trainings at some of the most widely respected studios in the Bay Area. She believes that everybody can benefit from going deep in a safe and healing way. She invited me into the home she shares with her husband, Joe, and their dog, Bowie, to record this conversation. You're listening to This Guy's Legit.
1: Jill, I'm so glad we're together. This is like the most exciting. I'm thrilled to be a part of this. It's an honor. Thanks. The last
0: time we were across from each other with a microphone was like years and years and years ago,
1: and I feel really honored that yeah. you're you're sitting down with me today. Dude, I'm so glad you've got your own PCAST going, and you should be so proud. But let me say this. Let me say this. You are not a face for radio, just so you know. <laughs> I'm telling you. Like... When you get big, you got to get some sort of camera on you because oh some people get into the whole, like, I can't just listen to this. I have to watch it too. Oh my gosh. Um, so think about that. Oh my gosh. Okay. You know who's also not a face for radio? Dr. Drew. I love him. Mine? Dr. Oh, Drew. Oh, Dr. Drew. Like, it's similar Dr. Drew. to you. You both oh, are babes. Yeah. Oh And, gosh. like, he is just on the radio for the most part and he has his own podcasts and stuff. He but was I'm on like,
0: MTV for a while. I know. I, I need know. to
1: listen to his podcast. I remember
0: when he was on the radio and I would like tune in. It was I think it was like about like sex and like relationships, oh, yeah.
1: love line, oh love line. Yes. So he's a very handsome, smart older man. Just wanted to say that.
0: Awesome. I I mean the fact that you just put me and Dr. Drew in the same sentence is yep. like you're
1: welcome. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. Um, but this is not about me. This is about you. So I want to dive in by getting a snapshot of your last 24 hours. I find that it helps people get a really sort of like window, you sure. know, window into who you are and what you're all about.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah. Last 24 hours. Honestly, at about this time yesterday, I was getting my hair cut because I'm... Growing out this pixie that you've seen a while back, and I had kind of this nice mullet going on, so I'm just taking care (laughs) of that and trying to remain patient. I taught a couple of classes, a couple of yoga classes, and, um, (laughs) but... Any spare time I had yesterday, I was gathering paperwork because my husband and I have the pleasure of being audited right now for the year of 2016. So, oh my goodness, that's been a total headache. But I truly do think... At first, I was like, what kind of red flag did we, you know, um, make available to, to them? But, I mean, they're having us look up a $25 Shake Shack Purchase in, when we were in New York, however many years ago, and I'm like, okay, this really does feel like truly random. So, yeah. anyways, adulting in in that kind of way is hard. Yeah, but um, but it's nice to just disappear, go teach, put my mind on something else, off, you know, have this offering for others, and then come home and chill. So then, yeah, I was kind of what my my hubby's away working this week, so it was just the pup and me last night. Relaxing, and then what? So you and Joe
0: are both entrepreneurs. You both run your business. You also, uh, you know, brainstorm about your businesses together. Um, what have you learned through this this sort of like moment of panic of like, oh gosh, now we have to dig in everything we're being audited. Like, what do you wish you had done differently?
1: Um, we handle our finances a little bit differently, so. Um, uh, we're both independent contractors, like you mentioned, and Joe's brain works in a way where the more accounts he has, the better, because he can be like, this one is just for equipment rentals, and this one is just for um, write-offs, or whatever, um, And but I have so little that I have to kind of troll through... A credit card that I use for all sorts of things, not just business Mm. charges. So Mm -hmm. there's a sweet spot somewhere in between the two because he has to spend so much time going like, what the hell was that password for that account that I don't even use anymore? Um, Old QuickBooks stuff. And so I wish we had some sort of like guidance counselor sit us down and be like, you are in a very exciting, fun field, the two of you. But here's how you can simplify your life if and when you have to track down all of this stuff. Yeah. Because it's so chaotic, and the way it works is that they just give you such small windows of time mm-hmm. to gather that kind of information. You're like, who, who, with a full time job, has the time to like do this? Right. Uh, so you just do the best you can, give them what you have, and just hope that you've proved you tried.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, I'm going to connect you with my friend at Wealth in Hand who does, um, she does all sorts of financial consulting stuff. And it's like in one session, she can help you sort of like figure Mm -hmm. out what your ecosystem should actually be so that you don't get in this headache again. I'm going to have her on later in the season. um, But she, I'm pretty like on top of the finances and still it's like a huge stress of my life yeah just like because I, I don't have never been to a finance class I'm numbers freak me out yeah um, and so I had a session with her and she has had sessions with several um, uh, several people in my sort of business circle mm-hmm and every single person has come out of it just being like, "Ooh, I was, I'm like, I understand what I'm supposed to do now."
1: I need more of that. I we do. need to be taught this
0: stuff. I was taught. It's like, where's the business class? Like, where's totally. the how to the business of
1: self employment? Thank you. Um, start it up, and I'll be your first customer <laughs> because. Yeah. And I also feel a little ashamed when people are like, what's been going on with you? And I'm like, we're being audited. Because I feel like we did something wrong. And it it just happens, totally. right? S- certainly, you can get tracked down for something specific. But I'm just kind of like, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do this. It has. And, and that's the thing that we have to all remember.
0: Like, it's, it's, it's being audited. It sounds like a big scary thing, but it's actually... It, this is just what happens with a business. Like, the IRS picks a few people every year. They hit a threshold. They have, like, some... dis, dis some uh, A delta between what they made two years ago and what they made today. And, like, hmm, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know... It, Audit is a big scary word, but it doesn't really have to be. It just means that they're looking at something. They're just trying to match things and make sure everything's fine. That's what I'm trying to tell myself. And if there's an error, you fix the error. You don't go to jail because you made a mistake. <laughs> right. You know? So it's like right. fine. Let them let them comb through it, let them educate you, let them tell you, you know, where that twenty five dollar receipt actually should have been coded to this other thing, and then like move on. Move on.
1: I mean they picked the perfect person. To audit because I have such a loud mouth, I'm freaking all my friends out. Like, be careful, we'll track everything, and so it's working. Yeah, whatever. There, yeah, yeah. But um, well, thank you for sharing that. I think
0: people, I think finance is a huge stressor for a lot of people who are self-employed, mm-hmm. and I think that your transparency is going to help at least at least one person, if not let's many. Let's hope. Let's hope. So everyone out there, track your receipts.
1: But let's move keep on before I get them. a rash. thinking about, about
0: it. <laughs> great. So tell me about your first job. Um, you didn't start out as a as a yoga yoga instructor, and we'll talk more about that. But I, I just want to hear like how were you as a kid, and 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 how did you get into the working world?
1: Oh gosh, I mean, my first job honestly was working at Jamba Juice when I was in high school. That didn't last super long, but uh, yeah, it was a good kind of. First entry into the work world and but but I I learned early on that I um overdo everything so if I take on too much work while I'm taking on too many classes in high school I easily burn out and so I had to be really careful with that um when I was in college and trying to do um you know, part-time jobs on the side because, um, just call it my personality, call it my work ethic. I just tend to go in hyperdrive and yeah, poop out. So I, I, that balance is really critical. So let's talk about how that
0: manifested itself in your career because you started out when you started teaching. Well, actually let's, let's take a step back before we dive right into the yoga story. Mm-hmm. I, um, Tell me a little bit about, about how you came to yoga. And I know you used to teach like a pretty, I'll call it aggressive vinyasa practice. Mm -hmm. And now you've shifted, you've shifted completely to the sort of like the other end of the spectrum. I want to hear sort of how you found yoga, how yoga found you, and then how you made the transition from one type to
1: the polar opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, I I mean, my first exposure to yoga was when I was in high school, actually. And I won't bore you with too many details, but my sweet mom was like, I heard about this yoga thing, and my friends and I are taking their daughters to this beat-up old ballet studio to, like, take a class from this hippie lady. And I was kind of like, all right, that was cool, whatever, moving on. But fell more in love with it in college. But it was definitely just a supplement to this healthy lifestyle. And it was like cool and trendy, right? Everyone's doing it at the rec center. Uh, I got more into it in grad school. And um, then, so so talking about previous kind of jobs and careers, I was in grad school to become a high school biology teacher and did that for a little bit. But got ended up getting thyroid cancer and so kind of life was put on pause for almost 2 years I had to move back home with my folks it was just a longer slower recovery than what you'd expect and for whatever reason females have a trickier time kind of recalibrating after that kind of surgery and trying to figure out the meds and the dosage and stuff so um yeah I the practice that I originally had kind of disappeared because my body was very different, much slower, and much more easily agitated. And so I found myself in these like neighborhood yoga classes where my folks live, and I am the only person in their 20s with this group of almost seniors um, just moving very slowly and um, mindfully. And so I was like, wow, there's really there's really something to this. And um, fell more in love with the practice, ended up getting my teacher training, and and got my health back to a point where I was back in those vinyasa classes that I was teach or that I was taking previously, and was like, yes, and feeling that fire and that power and that strength and did that for however many years, um, teaching that kind of style. <laughs> and then um, I, I know, I was going to say, I think, I know I wasn't listening to my body's um, warning signs that were like, if you keep doing this this way for however long, something's going to give. And it ended up being my shoulder. So that was a very humbling wake up wow, I need to know way more about anatomy and biomechanics and um, safety in this practice. And it's that's, depending on the training that you go to, very easily kind of glossed over, where you're barely scratching the surface of that stuff. And it's not the training's fault. 200 hours is not a lot of time to get to tackle that dense material of this huge umbrella, the world of yoga. So... Um, I ended up taking a little break from teaching and certainly was practicing at home on my own, but was working with this wellness vendor at a tech company, Um, and yada yada, we lost our contract, but it gave me this kind of time chunk to dive back into yoga, and I made this huge pivot to therapeutic yoga, which has been around for decades, but... I think is only recently up and coming, you know, as far as the mass market is concerned. And I have you to thank actually, because when I was dealing with my shoulder injury, you were the one that was like, you've got to see this guy. He's a PT. He's a yogi. He taught my anatomy when I was doing my teacher training. And um, yeah, I mean, I can go on and on, but it, it exposed me to this kind of practice where instead of walking out of a class going, man, because of my shoulder thing, I couldn't do this, this and this feeling limited and frustrated. And then being able to walk out from a class going, I could do almost everything because there were options and variations to kind of customize my practice. So from there, I was just like, couldn't get enough of this kind of stuff. Um, was introduced to this woman who, Robin Good, who practices who manages a yoga studio, a couple now in Marin, um, and is one of the accredited schools in our area through IAYT that offers this 800 hour training to become what's called a certified yoga therapist. Wow. That's a mouthful. And is that what you're doing
0: now? (laughs) Is that, are you, have you, have you you completed that? No, we've still
1: got one more year. So it takes a little over two years and we meet Friday through Sunday every, almost every other weekend. So it's a big commitment. Um, And, and it will soon be not just an 800 hour training. It'll be, I think a little over a thousand. So Yeah. Yeah, um, it's very cool. We've got this, uh, the previous group that recently graduated last year, I think there's there was five yogis, and now we've got this group of 20, 24. Wow. So it's great to see this momentum pick up, um, to see the need in various clinical settings, hospitals, VAs, um studios too are, are wanting more of this, which is fantastic because I feel just a couple of years ago, people were like therapeutic yoga, what? Mm -hmm. And, um, and that still happens. Yeah. (laughs) But, but less so. What was your biggest
0: fear when you were making the transition from, um, you know, being a primarily, you know, hardcore vinyasa teacher to shifting sort of completely to, to this slower, more therapeutic pace? Was there anything you were afraid of?
1: Oh yeah. Um well, I think the big aha moment is like at least here in the west, we put so much emphasis on the pose, like the asana. And and depending on who you're talking to and how potentially narrow their their view might be on this yoga thing, their brain goes straight to those, like, Cirque du Soleil contortionist poses on Instagram. And that is a... I mean, those shapes are beautiful. But let's be honest, most bodies cannot do those poses. And there shouldn't be this idea that that's an expectation that you're supposed to do these poses in any of the classes. But I think what I was afraid of was, like, it to be brutally honest, therapeutic yoga sounds like, um, kind of want, want, like come in with your crutches and your casts and let's make you move a little bit. And, um, I obviously don't think that, and that is an extremely narrow view of this kind of yoga. But when someone read like we're, we do so much ju- judging the book by the cover, right? When you just see that without a proper description on a studio's website, it probably doesn't draw people in. And it's, it's the less standard, less sexy kind of yoga. Um, but it's so fun to see people who have never practiced it before and go like, what? You know, they're asking me questions on the way in and I try and give them a quick little elevator pitch like, yeah, it's kind of this and it's kind of that, but just give it a try and, you know, let me know if you have any questions afterwards. And to see them kind of go, ah, right at the end. And it's not for everybody. I can spot it a mile away when I'm like, I'm never going to see them. And that's totally okay because they're not ready to slow down with me yet and I've seen that in some of my friends too who used to practice with me when I taught vinyasa and then they circle back and they're like I've heard you've gotten into this new kind of yoga and I can tell it's yeah it's it's not their cup of tea and it might not ever be but a part of me is like I'll see you in 10 years yeah, you know, I really think that that's
0: true, and I think
1: I think that, um, like,
0: when I first fell in love with yoga, it was, like, a, you know, like, it was a, an ego practice, how, you know, I'm not bending my knees, I'm getting my head all the way down there, and mm-hmm. I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and, like, oh, it feels a little weird, and, like, oh, I can't walk quite, quite right, like, but I'll be, yeah, I'll be fine, mm-hmm. and it took some, like, severe injuries to, like, put me on the bench, and... For me to then sort of quiet the ego enough to go to a class called therapeutic yoga. I mean, I would have tried anything that you were teaching, and <laughs> I did. And when I went, I was like, what is this neural neural, flaw, neural flaw Nerve flossing? Neural flossing, It yeah. was like, oh, dang, like this feels incredible. And, um, you know, I was able to do it through most of my pregnancy because I wasn't doing stuff like on my belly. And when I was, you gave me an alternative. And it wasn't... And it didn't feel like prenatal yoga. Like I didn't, I didn't love prenatal yoga because Mm -hmm. it felt like, um, like a, I don't know. Like I didn't, I didn't really love being pregnant. So it was like, ah, like I don't want to be like put in this bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And so I loved your classes because I left every single one feeling release in my body. And when I did a gut check, like what am I actually looking for in yoga? Am I looking for weight loss? No, am I looking for muscle toning? Yeah. Um, am I looking for but but really like, am I what am I really looking? I'm looking for peace. I'm looking mm. to cultivate some peace because everything else in my life is going 800 miles an hour and I just need to slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and feel good in my body. And some people feel great after a, you know, power vinyasa class. They like clear, their mind is clear, they get it all out, they sweat it all out. They feel super strong and powerful. Um, you know, for me that led to injury. And I think it's really awesome that there is this offering now that is becoming more um, respected and seen as not just, it's not geriatric yoga, although that's chill too. It's, it's, it's an alternative practice to feel
1: good in your body. I I think that's really well put. I think I think the misconception is that you have to be injured to enjoy that kind of practice. And that's so not true. It kind of goes back to when we were talking about, like, where was that class on finances? Where Mm -hmm. was that class on how to use our bodies? Like, I would have really appreciated in, like, PE class in high school or health class in high school, getting the simple user's manual on how this thing operates Um, especially in regard to safety because part of the therapeutic yoga approach is education and you're not like lecturing people during class or with the one-on-ones you're having with them. You're just giving them little snippets of like, hey, have you thought about how different zones of the spine operate differently? Some areas are really designed to rotate well, some aren't. And so like, where should you stabilize and where should you move? And it, and the faces on people when they've never heard that before and they're like thanks for telling me i could have learned this decades ago mm-hmm. and you're like well you know now it's all good um but just think about how you're picking up your groceries now it doesn't it's you know and it that's the beauty is it 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 bleeds out of the yoga studio so people are moving through their day in a more thoughtful way and yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's an important point you brought up with like, what I, what am I really trying to get out of my practice? Because I'm not sure people are checking in with that question very often. And that's what I bring up with the, the 200 hour TTs um, when I'm teaching their anatomy is I'm like, what is the intention of this pose? And how is it serving you? Because... There's a difference between like chair pose is hard and you might not love it as much as a different asana, but, but it's, if, when done correctly, it serves you, right? It's a great way to work the quads, the hammies, the buns, the core. But, you know, not everybody is designed to uh, benefit from like shoulder stand, it can be tweaky on the neck, it can be tweaky on the shoulders and so you shouldn't be doing it just because a teacher said we're all doing this. So you're allowed to be like this one's not for me and that's okay and that totally goes back to what you're saying with the ego. Let it go if it's not helping you. And um, and I I come from such an empathetic place that I used to love the kind of fire, the sweat, the that that I love how you call it aggressive practice, vigorous pr- okay. practice. <laughs> better, better, better. <laughs> um, but, but I choose to get my workout somewhere else. I, I I would rather go to hip line with you, right? I would rather go on a long hike and and sweat it that way. I when we're trying to work out and do yoga, it's it, it's hard for me to blend those together. I think they're separate. Well, and that's a really interesting perspective because I think that
0: in the Western world, I think that when yoga became um, sort of became in fashion and became mm-hmm. sort of like a a mainstay of our culture. <laughs> Just put your water down. Okay. It's <laughs> like an ambient podcast. They're in the room with us. The, yeah. They'll hear the yeah. tappings. Um, I don't know what I was saying, but the point is, oh, in Western in the Western world um, it was introduced as exercise it yes. was introduced it was comp- it was uh like like aerobic and kinesthetic anyway. and it was it was in that space that that it made its that it came in and, and fit in mm-hmm. but I think now it's been around long enough and there have been enough styles introduced to the culture it's it's so much a part of our culture like you people are wearing yoga pants walking down the street and they're called yoga pants mm-hmm. and like it's a it's a mainstay of our culture now and so I think people um people are able to access it for different reasons and in different ways it's not
1: just for exercise anymore yeah and I'm glad the pendulum is kind of swinging the other way where people can see oh I can get to that same place through breath work Mm -hmm. or through meditation or through um yeah through different gateways other than just and of course the physical practice counts too but um but it's not limited to that. Yeah, yeah.
0: I love it. Have you had a big break in this journey? Like, can you, can you point to, you know, like a moment or two where the whole world opened up for you? Or are you still waiting for that moment?
1: Hmm. I have to think about that. I'm not sure it's like I can put my finger on this one thing where I was like, it was July 3rd, (laughs) but but what's really, really great is um, I didn't drop his name before, but it was Harvey Deutsch, which is, was my mentor, still is my mentor. Um, He doesn't have his physical practice um, in Potrero Hill anymore, but he still does see people and... Kind of spends half of his time here in the Bay Area and half of his time elsewhere. But um, he he was this wonderful guide and this wonderful source of knowledge for building the the foundation to to my anatomy background. That really, to me, is the building blocks of at least the physical practice. And um, and so he has teamed up with this 800 hour training I was mentioning in Marin so just just last weekend he was our guest faculty member um, in making sure that the rest of the what is it 23 in my soon- to-be graduating group are up to snuff with their anatomy as well right because they haven't been in the other trainings I've been with him and so it's nice to make sure we're we're trying to bring everybody up to the same even playing ground. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm certainly not like snoozing in the back, but it's so n- lovely to hear him lecture about the things I've been assisting with him with for so long, whether it's in the PT clinic or a workshop or a retreat and going like, yep, I know this. And not in like a, come on, buddy, show me something I don't, but in like a, that is so cool that now this stuff is just in there. hmm automatic, ready on deck when I, someone asks a question about like rotator cuff tears and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so it just is this kind of sense of accomplishment and calm where I'm like, this hard work is paying off because there were many weekends where I was just thinking like, I just need a second. I'd love to see my friends. I'd love to see my husband, but, um, but but pushing through has gotten me to this place where I feel all the more equipped to offer information to whether it's my group classes or the people I work with one-on-one to try and help them, to help them lessen their suffering. Mm-hmm.
0: And I would say, you know, you meant you you called Harvey a mentor, but from my perspective, I also see him as a champion for you because he didn't just give you advice and wisdom; he opened doors for you, for sure. He he saw your potential, he saw your ability and your um, sort of like your teachableness and your willingness to learn, and your drive. Um, and he invested in you. He said, "Come and assist." He, mm-hmm. you know, you were his sub, like his go to sub. Um, Didn't you take over his classes when, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, I think that I think that it's so important um, for our careers to have champions who see us and who, um, who open doors, don't just give us advice, but also open doors. And I think especially not to like, you know, make it a male female thing, but in this culture of Me Too, and in this time where, um, you know, there is far less that is tolerated, there has actually been a, a stepping back of men who are in power positions from mentoring and championing women because they're afraid of what's what they're going to look like, how they're mm-hmm. going to be seen if they have a meal with a woman alone, or if they're in their office with with a woman alone. And I understand that. At the same time, like this is the time where they where people in power, men, women, non-binary, they have to step up. It's actually time to to like do more for people who are coming up in the world, men, women, non-binary. So. Have you um, did did you have you had any experiences where the road was more difficult for you as a woman, or experiences where like doors were actually opened for you because um of your gender identity or um, or any other sort of identifying qualities of you?
1: That's hard to say. i um you you brought up a really good point, and i I do feel very lucky in that regard, because I do feel like doors were opened for me. Paths were kind of laid down to be like, you should do this. Like, you know, I've been talking to this lady and you should do this 800 hour training. I think it would be fantastic. It's the next step. You should think about taking over my classes because I'm letting go of them and you'd be a fit. You'd be a wonderful fit. I, I, you know, I, I'm sure I could spend more time thinking about this. Um, for whatever reason, I, I hear, I hear these, these stories that, um, have been coming, coming out, especially you were mentioning the Me Too movement. And, um, with empathetic, sympathetic ears, right? And, crazy crazy that so much of this has gone on and how long it's taken for for people to speak up about it so glad it's happening um i've been lucky enough where i i don't have a story to tell but um and i i can't really attribute why that is um but I was brought up in a way where, and, and I, I identify as female, but there's many moments where I do feel more non-binary because I'm this tall, um, pushy <laughs> woman um, and who, who, doesn't, who doesn't take any BS. But let me be very delicate with what I just said. I'm not saying like, so if you aren't like that, that's why stuff happens, right? Because it happens to anybody with any personality, but I just, I, I guess it's just luck, honestly. Yeah. Um, and, but there's been creepy enough situations where I've just gotten out of there, um, to avoid that gut feeling of this is weird. Um, yeah, I had to mention to a yoga studio before, like, I don't know if this is going on with other instructors, but I'm not sure this yogi should be coming to practice. Hmm. with you with us mm-hmm. um i'm not sure if that's really answering your question i think it's a
0: great i think it's a i think it's a great response i think it's um i think it's a great perspective thank yeah. you thank you for yeah. speaking to it it's a hard thing to talk about and, it is um and i i just think that it's an important thing to talk about totally so we talked about it yeah um so i want to hear how you actually make money like i want to hear about your business model so mm. A lot of time. I'm going to talk about like the per, like what it looks like in the world, and then you can talk to me about what's real.
1: Yeah.
0: When I the the friends that I have who are yoga instructors who are teaching teachers, it's like a grind. It's like you you know at 9 a.m. you're at this studio at 10:30 you know you drive across town you're at this studio, um, and you're you know sort of stocking away your money and then you're paying it out for your trainings. Um, what is it? What
1: is like the real story? Well. There's been a handful of students that um, I've taught that ask that question, like, give it to me real. Can you truly make a living teaching yoga? And I'm like, if you want my real answer, it is really hard. Because what's interesting is people... I I didn't even... What's ridiculous is I didn't look into this until I was already out of my teacher training, which is the case for a lot of students. What teachers actually really make? Right. And it depends on the studio. But in general, the model is students are paying X amount per class and you get just an itty bitty fraction of that amount. So you get paid per head. You can get lucky with other studios where they're like, you get 70 bucks a class, whether two people show up or 200 show up. But that's a whole different thing. Right. If 200 show up, you're like, well, (laughs) I'll take the per head, please. Yeah. so that's part one. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of things. You're hopefully keeping up with your continuing education, right? So you have to invest before you get that return. And you're hoping it's going to help you. But you you are in your car a lot. You're bouncing from studio to studio a lot or home to home if you're working with people one-on-one. And a, another thing people forget is... Um, It's really exhausting to talk for however many hours a day and because you're just on, right? And it's kind of... To me, it's it's always an exchange, checking in, like, okay, are we feeling that? You feel safe? We're good? Okay. Um, But, for example, I just two weekends ago hosted a four-day immersion. It was Thursday through Sunday, 12 to 6.30. And so... Yeah, I mean, of course, you get a break for lunch, but I forget, whew, like, I am toast at the end of the day. And that just comes with experience and practice. And it, But unless you're a machine and you can teach 25 classes a week, which I cannot, um, you need a side hustle or you need someone, you know, a partner to lean on and be like, I'm doing my thing and I'll give you free body work, but I hope you can help me out with this, that, and the other. So it has to be a labor labor of love because you couldn't do it if you didn't love it. Because yeah. it's not, it's not this super lucrative craft. And it certainly can be if you start to host bigger trainings or if you have like a true brick and mortar space where clients are coming to you and you're seeing them from you know 10 to 6 back to back that is a much more reasonable way to do it but um so I just have to pause and check in to take my temperature and be like okay we're still doing okay because remember when you used to rent this space and two people would show up paying donation price, right, and you would truly end up paying to teach, that's not sustainable. So even though you're not, like, on the cover of Yoga Journal, at least look at this crowd who showed up, and you're here, and you're getting paid. So, yeah, I'm not giving you nitty-gritty numbers, but... (laughs) I don't need the the nitty-gritty, you know, this is not a yoga podcast, you know, this is business
0: across the spectrum, so I think... I think what you shared is actually um, like transferable across, like this is actually what it means to be an entrepreneur, not just a yoga teacher. Yeah, It's, you know, you have to put a lot of investment in at the front end. You might not ever see it. You ha- It has to be a labor of love or it's going to fail spectacularly. Yeah. Um, you can't be in it for the money. You have to be in it because it's who you are and it's what you want to do with your time. And and having a safety net is important. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what I heard. So I think that... Um, I'm glad that can
1: speak to other... Other areas of, of work, yeah. But I... It's hard when you do what you love um, because it really blurs the lines of, like, work and play. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I recently went on just, like, a week-long vacation and people were like, oh, my gosh, I bet you were doing yoga every day. And I was like, actually, not really. I mean in a very informal setting, yeah, like kind of just stretching out at the end of the day, but um, it's nice to step back and and reset and and get back in there because that balance, man, I think we're all looking for it. Let's talk about that. You know, as a teacher
0: you're holding a lot of space for people. You're holding a lot of space for their traumas, their emotions. Your students will tell you things that are happening in their lives that can be really heavy. Mm-hmm. And you have like, you know, 20 seconds on the mat checking in with them. And then you have to go and lead a group. Um, you also have to be balancing different people's needs because everybody comes in with in a different body and, and in that body in a different state. Um, how do you... And you're shuttling around all the time. So it's like, how do you stay inspired? How do you recharge? How do you replenish yourself so that you can show up the next day and be on?
1: Yeah. I I will say that most yoga teachers are, are empaths, right? You have to be to be doing what you're doing, but you have to be really careful that you're not taking on and bringing home all of this stuff that it's incredible and so beautiful what people are willing to share with you before or after class. And that's why its uh, I tell my students, like, show up at least 15 minutes before you teach. It's crazy how some of my, I call them my neighbor teachers who teach before or after me, are squeaking in five minutes before class. I'm like, how do you feel settled when you're coming in so last minute? But you do you. Um, But th- that's when those juicy conversations happen, and but stuff will come up where I'm like, Oh my god, I can't believe they're going through that right now, and how do they have the the will to get in their car and find parking and get to class? And pr- good for them, it's an, it's amazing. But um, I'm the type of personality where. If I'm not careful, I'll be thinking about that the rest of the night instead of leaving that there and finding space for me. So to answer your question, I try to practice what I preach, which is mm, self-care, like taking a bath or uh, doing like a quick little yoga nidra session or... Um, but I mean, like I will be the first to admit my guilty vices are like (laughs) a really bad TV show, um, some sort of reality TV show. I, I really just want to say the bachelorette, but, uh, (laughs) uh, don't judge me, don't judge me. Um, because it shuts off that part of my brain that, I mean, it's junk food for the brain. And, but speaking of junk food, oh man, like. Of co- and that's the, that's the that's another misconception, and I, I just want to say this: like, I think people think that yoga teachers, and there's certainly peers of mine where I'm like, you are doing it, you are like living the pure life. They're they're always eating like vegetables, and hydrating, and not a drop of alcohol. And I'm like, if that makes you feel. Um, your most authentic self great but there's a balance in there for me so I'm gonna get down on that mac and cheese mm-hmm. and like have a glass of wine and I don't wanna get any crap for it and not that anyone is but I do think there's this like hmm with the right people they're like oh, thank you for giving me the permission to do that when I need to because yeah we're, we're all human it turns out yeah. and it's totally okay to indulge in, you know, in moderation. I think everything in moderation,
0: you know, including moderation. And it's like we can't, you know, you're not a robot. Just because this is what you do for your job doesn't mean that, like, someone's, like, peeking in your window, like, making sure Jill's still a yogi (laughs) at 9 p.m., you know? Like, you have to be a real person, and I think it's important... Um, I think you know I, I think it's important for us to be honest about that because yes. like just because you show up and you hold space in one way and you are leading people to a you know to be most at home and comfortable in their bodies like it doesn't mean that like their whole life is that because their whole life isn't that your whole life isn't that Nobody's whole life is only one thing
1: yes and I do think we need to be careful with, restriction Mm -hmm. right whatever it is like can't eat this can't do that can't watch that and it's just kind of like can't 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 (sighs) yeah I don't do well with can'ts it's yeah I don't I don't know that I do either and obviously don't eat The mac and cheese. If you're not going to enjoy it, if every bite is causing you guilt and shame, then let's let's investigate that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can be like, no, tonight's the night, I'm doing this and enjoy it, yes, right? Mm, Totally. Yeah,
0: totally. So, um, how do you use social media? You mentioned before, like yogis with these like crazy, you know, Mm. poses, and you know, social media has created. a lot of community. It's created an open door for communication. It's created sort of like an almost free-ish platform to promote yourself. And it's also created a lot of like neck issues and people who don't actually know how to be in the world anymore. So I'm mm-hmm. curious what your relationship is with social media, how you use it to market your business or not, um, and sort of how you create boundaries with
1: it in the world. Ugh, I was worried this question would come up. I honestly can't stand the game of social media i i play it in a sense because um full disclosure yeah when i have a second instead of just like having a mindful moment and being like (laughs) okay i can feel my feet on the floor while i'm standing waiting for this lift um no i'm like i'm gonna pull out my phone and see what my buddies are doing on instagram right Um, certainly there's yoga superstars I follow on Instagram as well. As far as what I'm putting out content wise, I'm not doing it. And like, I should be, but here's where like a lot of shoulds come in, right? Um, the big superstars have people that do this and, and content creators, right? And beautiful photos. And what I would like to see out there are those superstars in a seated meditation position, maybe in a chair. How about that? Cause not everyone can do half or full Lotus or like standing in mountain pose in Tadasana. Wow. Genius, right? Like showing people, I, I do think just as a side note, your practice becomes more advanced when you can appreciate the subtle like nuances uh, and like going slower and just pausing and observing And, um, but sexy sells. So like getting all those sponsors to give you the fancy clothes, to do the trick with the thing and your foot around the, and that's where I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, if, if one of those companies knocked on my door this afternoon and they were like, here you go, you're, you're in, I would play that game because that would give, offer me more exposure Maybe get more bodies in the room, not to make money, I mean, that would be lovely, but to, to get more people stoked on this kind of practice. And, um, but I just, when I do have time to go, oh, this would be a good opportunity to post this photo and then say this thing, I just find myself going, oh, never mind. And I don't, I can't really put my finger on what's holding me back. My and and I I can't use my teachers as an example. Like I could I could say like well Harvey doesn't do any of that. Look at him, he's killing it. Mm-hmm. But I you know he's been a PT and a yogi for thirty five years, and that was way before any of this stuff was going on. So it it's it's a necessary evil. Yeah. Yeah. And like so I'm finding out that certain retreat centers are like well how many people are on your email list, and you have to be like da 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 da. So at least I've been doing that. Good. Right? So people have the option to sign up for my email list to stay in the know with all my stuff going on. But ugh, it's the selling and the, yeah, the plugging that's really hard for me. Yeah. I just want it to all happen organically and I'm not sure that's a realistic view. Well, it's a different world. It's a different world. But I totally hear you and I, I,
0: I have the same struggles like... I think I have, like, 50 drafts right now that mm-hmm. I, like, started and was like, oh, my gosh, people are going to think I'm, mm, if I post, mm. and then I don't do it because I'm so afraid of the judgment. And then, and I'm so afraid of, like, what people are going to think about me. But, mm-hmm. like, the reality is nobody's even thinking about me. They see it for half a second. They might make a judgment. Hopefully, they they know me already in real life, and they're able to be like, eh, like, I know I'm, it looks this way, but, like... She actually means it that way, but it's scary. It's super scary to put yourself out there and it's something I'm sort of starting to experiment with because yeah. I'm seeing I'm seeing real return on other people's investment of the time in the content making um, and every time I do post something, uh if it's like if it's um the relationship of the amount of time I spent on it is directly correlated to the relationship of, of what the return is. And when I say return, I mean, like, connection. Like, when I post a story, I feel so dumb sharing it. I feel like, oh, my God, everyone's going to think I'm, like, so full of myself or everyone's going to think I think I'm so great at whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I get a bunch of phone calls and a bunch of texts and a bunch of direct messages from, like actu- my real like, my friends who are like, Yes, and here's my experience. Or, I didn't know that whole story. Or, um, that explains this other thing that I was wondering about. Um, And I don't know. I I super also feel super mixed about it. But I feel like if I'm not engaging in the conversation, then it's like, then I am the product. Like, you're either consuming it or you're creating it.
1: I don't know. Maybe both. I don't know. I know. I would just rather connect with people in person in my classes. But I know that... There's a bridge, there's a gap that needs to be filled there because they might not even know about my classes until I put something out there. Right. But, um, yeah, it's, like, this fake connection. Yeah. um, Which is hard for me. Yeah. Because...
0: Sometimes it's fake, but sometimes it's real. And I think that's... Like, I have these... I have some friends who have, like... Crazy amounts of followers and I met them at the playground. They're like real-life friends and I don't you know I don't always like love what they post, you know, but that's more about me than it is about them and um, What has happened for them is like they have made real community like real friends that invite them to real occasions to spend real time having real conversations and that all happened as a result of someone liking a picture, making a comment, sending a message and then connecting in yeah. that way. So it's like
1: I don't know. It's this, I need to think more about
0: that kind of thing. It's this whole it's this whole ecosystem that's like that's happening. And I don't know. It's like I am in and then I'm out and then I'm in and then mm-hmm. I'm out and then it's anyway.
1: I I here's what I'll say. I don't like taking photos. I'm fine if someone's like, can I take a photo of you? And I'm like, yeah. And then please send it to me. But I don't like pulling out my phone and taking photos because to me, it really takes me out of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, just a random side story. Um, Joe and I went on vacation to Maui and this particular beach that we were on, I don't know what was happening. It, it was, it, I've never seen that many sea turtles snorkeling. And so then one started coming really close to the shore and everyone on the beach started crowding around it, pulled out their phones. And I had to walk, we had to leave because I didn't want to be that jerk who's policing things going, please stand back and give it its space. It's trying to do something, right? People are trying to pet it, take foot. And I'm just like, this isn't a zoo. You got it. This is a wild animal this is not our place to be. So, and same thing. So they're not even appreciating this incredible living thing in front of them that has presented themselves. They're behind their phone. And are they really going to look back? And I mean, maybe, yeah. Look at what came to shore. But same thing at concerts, right? And people, I'm, I'm tall and I'm usually looking through someone's phone as I'm trying to watch what's actually on stage. And I'm just like, I would rather be home instead of watching your phone. And so totally. it's, it's the, the being present, being mindful part of what I do where I think these devices are really screwing with us. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I feel like I'm kind of ruining family gatherings now because my mom wants to like document what's going on, which is beautiful. But I'm also kind of like, just one picture is plenty. We don't have to keep doing it through the whole night because then it's kind of taken us out every time to pose. It's, you know, especially if they're not candid. Yeah. <laughs> and so, how often are we printing these out anymore or sharing them? I don't know. So it's just it's yeah, that's a really tricky thing for me and I I'm, I'm trying to live through my eyeballs. Mhm.
0: Mhm. Mhm. So what are you excited to try this year? Is there anything is there anything brand new that you're trying to cultivate?
1: I, I, I think I'm just trying to get more feelers out there. Um, next couple of steps as far as the progress I want to make is I'll, I'll be assisting a retreat at Esalen um, next month. And I'd love to get my foot in the door with that. I'd love to start hosting. I, I, I do a regular retreat um, at least once a year up north in Casadero at, at this beautiful Tibetan Buddhist retreat center called Ratna Ling. And um, but Esalen is a totally different uh, geographic area, but also demographic that um, I'd love to 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 work with. And uh, yeah, but but certainly just like completing this program (laughs) will be a really huge accomplishment next May. Um, Other than that yeah just just keep cruising so there's there's a handful more of teacher trainings that I'm helping with their anatomy and um, just I honestly just polishing my craft um, there's always more to learn but finding more um, efficient ways to deliver the content is huge because it's dense material and you have to download that information to people's brains. And sometimes it can be overwhelming and I want to try and make it a really digestible way to do it. So maybe nothing like mind-blowingly new, but, um, yeah, honing, honing. That's a great
0: word. Yeah. That's that's what I'm hearing, honing. Yeah. So what about in 10 years? Do you have like a, do you have like this vision for your future or are you really trying to live in the present and not, um, I've sort of heard that like it's really good to think about where you want to be in 10 years. I've also heard like from a business perspective, like things change so fast, Mm. you really don't even want to look, you know, more than a year out. So I'm curious if you spend any time thinking about that. I
1: do. I'd love to like sit down with the great meditators and be like, well, yeah, you can't be present all the time, right? Because then you got to think about, it's funny because I, my dad, his little mantra is like, what if the meteor hits? Right. And so he's trying to say like, live every moment like it's your last because you never know. Um, where my mom is definitely more of the planner and the penny pincher because if you're gonna live till you're ninety, you gotta you know, save. And I'm somewhere in between the two. I do often live a little, t- <laughs> a little too much. Like the meteor is gonna hit tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, so I got to be careful with that. But uh, ten years from now, I mean. I, I always think about writing a book, which would be super fun. I mean, there's so much to do um, to figure all of that out and self-publish or find someone who would be willing to publish. Um, but I think it'd be a fun angle. It'd probably be more like a memoir, but but sharing my story. But, again, another way to offer therapeutic yoga to the masses. Mm-hmm. Uh. I'd also love to see like some sort of therapeutic yogi, a practitioner, a certified yoga therapist, whether it's me or one of my peers on the cover of, um, you know, the big magazines that that everyone's buying, not just like IAYT's magazine or yeah, just trying to To offer, yeah, I keep saying exposure, but that's the best word to describe it. Just get it out there, Yeah, you know? Other than that, yeah, build up a a better private practice. Maybe end up having my own space where people can see me. Maybe I can eventually do that out of my own home. We'll see. I think the puppy would be an annoying distraction, so we'll (laughs) cross that bridge when we get to it. Maybe that's part of the therapy is pet my dog. I don't know, mm. um, but those are the ba- the big yeah. ones that stand out.
0: At the beginning of our conversation, you um, shared that you had survived thyroid cancer. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from that experience?
1: Well, I certainly learned how to slow down. You know, I you can spend way too much time getting paranoid over, like, I wonder how I got it, and maybe it was this, maybe it was that, or... Um, a part of me wonders if it has to do with what I was mentioning earlier in our conversation. Like, my body was like, you're going too hard too fast, and this particular gland decided to backfire and mutate. Um, but it whether it's illness or injury it is let me just say it is so much easier to say once it's over and done with i hate all those cliche things while you're in the trenches and people are like well everything happens for a reason and god can't give you more than you can handle and i'm just kind of like you know what you can (laughs) shove that right up your because it's really hard right now but but on the other side you're like I mean, there are a lot of ways where I think that did happen for a reason and injury and illness can be a teacher and um, show you where your weaknesses are and what you really should focus on instead of that goal or goals that you promised yourself you would do and accomplish. Um, And other than that... I mean, I think that's enough, right? I mean, that's a pretty bad...
0: <laughs> that's that's enough.
1: I'm the cheesy friend that, like, I mean, you've you've been on the receiving end of it, where I, everyone's just kind of standing around at a party talking, and I just have to like get I get a little misty, and I end up hugging people, going like, "Isn't it just crazy? We're all here, breathing," and so, yeah, I'm I'm that weirdo, but totally okay with that role <laughs> mm-hmm. hell yeah
0: somebody's gotta be and you and right? Joe both like we, Drew and I were talking about that like god we just love being around you guys because you put your hearts out there and you, you're always the first in the room to like let everybody know how you're feeling about them and what a beautiful thing and like thanks. what a beautiful way to live your life yeah you
1: know? thanks gets
0: me a little misty just I thinking know. about I know. it it's, I, really, I like that you're letting yourself go there yeah Shifting gears, I want to know how you'll know when you've
1: made it. Hmm. Ooh, that is so tricky. I mean, in it, it, it ties into some of the 10-year stuff you were asking about, where do I see myself in 10 years? There's something about, like, yeah, I'll be at the next yoga journal conference or sitar conference and I'll be on stage talking about blah 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 but I, I truly think for me it's a, more of this like internal feeling of ah uh, but <laughs> what I think the answer is is I'm not sure we ever make it right like That's what keeps the fire under our butts to hustle and push um, to be our best. Because I think if you say like, okay, I did it. I checked off all the things. Then you get lazy and you're not willing to, to keep adding to the list. It would... I don't think I'm the type of person that would want to open up their own studio or school. That's not for me, from what I've observed. I'm not rolling it out, but um, as a businesswoman, I see myself kind of traveling and educating. I really do love to teach future teachers, but it doesn't have to be future teachers. It could just be people that want to deepen their practice. So, um, yeah, just finding that angle that's approachable, but like humorous too. Cause I, I also, we shouldn't take ourselves so seriously. Um, there has to be some levity in this journey and, um, I, 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 I could work harder but I'm not sure that I want to because I have to listen to that part of me that's like, you push too far, crazy stuff happens. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So we've
0: talked about a lot and I want to wrap it up by asking my final question. Okay. Which is, what is the meaning of life? Ooh, do you ask everybody this one? Yeah, this is like, this is like the closer. And like, so here, I'll tell you a little more about it so that you can have the framing, which is to say that, you know, for entrepreneurs, anybody that, um, I think really anybody these days, like the, the boundaries between personal, professional, it's all very blurry. And so it just becomes a life. Mm -hmm. And so what's the point?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, I think, I mean, the wannabe Buddhist part of me is to to ease suffering. We suffer, you know? To ease suffering and to find ways to laugh through as much of it as we can. Because there's so many parts to life where you can't. And shit is just hard. And... Everyone has their own version of it. It's all relative. Um, But finding tools, depending on the individual, finding the tools that work for you to lessen the suffering. I really do think that's... That's... That's what I think the meaning of life is. Um, And... And getting out of your own way, right? So I, what I observe out there is there's a lot of people stuck in these old patterns, expecting things to go differently when they never have previously. And how about changing that pattern, getting out of that, and seeing how that makes you feel? And it's scary, and, but... I'd so much rather take those kinds of risks than just ugh, be a pond, right? Yeah. Like we're, these these bodies are moving, flowing rivers. We're not meant to be stagnant. Same with our minds. And so um, it's okay to push yourself and out of your comfort zone. And maybe it doesn't work, but at least you tried. So Bravo to you. But I think I see pain in a lot of different people, uh, including myself, right? Not just physical either. And so, like, how much control do I have over that? Not a whole lot, but there's what I can control. How can I ease that suffering? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Thanks
0: for sharing. Yeah. You've been listening to This Guy's Legit. This episode was produced by me, Rachel Dorsey, with editing by Drew Dorsey and original music by Taylor Joshua Rankin. This guy's Legit is executive produced by Boningold. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe to get the next episode automatically. And if you really like what you heard, leave a review. And follow us on Instagram at this guy's legit.